Welcome to Life on the Watercrest Line. In this series, we follow the activities of the line throughout the year. We go behind the scenes and see all aspects of the operation. Episode 1. War on the Line, where the Watercrest Line recreates the atmosphere of the early 1940s. In this episode, I visit Alton and Medstead and Formark stations. I'm now at Alton Station. Alton Station is, for many people, the first view they get of the Watercrest Line, because it's the terminus of the South Western Railway Line from Waterloo. During the week, it's a major commuter line, but at weekends, it sees a lot of people who are planning to travel on the Watercrest Line. Platform 3 at Alton Station, which is the interchange with the South Western Railway, who use Platforms 1 and 2, is pretty cramped. There are a lot of people here, many of them in vintage costume. Forget your troubles, come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. The sun is shining, come on, get happy. The Lord is waiting to take your hand. I'm here on Alton Station with Becky, who's been providing music and song. And I was wondering... How how long Becky has been doing this for? Um, I've been singing professionally for uh, oh, quite a while now, probably about eight or nine years. Um, and I've been doing 1940s for about six years. So you go round all the 1940s events in the country, or many of the 1940s events in the country? Um, actually, I don't. I do a lot of care homework, and I'm also a singing teacher. Um, so I'm, I'm based uh, sort of in Portsmouth, and I do lots of care homes, birthdays, weddings, and then a couple of events like this, which is great fun. And you're enjoying it? I'm loving it. It's fantastic. Lovely to talk to you, and thank you very much. Thank you. I'm with Sheila Love, the event organiser for War on the Line. So Sheila, when do you start work on organising the event? As soon as I finish the Christmas reenactor event really, Uh, so beginning of January. That sounds like a lot of hard work. It is to fit in around my additional, my normal job if you like. Because you're the education officer here at the Watercrest Line. That's right, education and interpretation. Who, apart from you, is involved in organising War on the Line? I have help at all the stations. Um, We have either the station master or a person in charge at each station who will help me to set out, make sure everybody's comfortable with where they're booked in for. But most of the bookings in, I do myself. Being a railway line, it's long and narrow, So you have relatively limited space at most of your stations, I presume? Yes, we have to squeeze things in. Um, Rockley is our biggest space, if you like. Um, We have a theme for each station. Uh, Allsford here 
is themed as um, American troops because there's a historic link to troops being stationed here in Allsford. Ropley tends to be British troops and trade stalls, charity stalls, vintage vehicles because we've got more space there. We don't have a lot, but we do have more space. Uh, Medstead is the home front. They use their car park and what little space they have around the station. But I'm afraid Alton is fairly limited because really they've only got the platform and they have a singer there and um, flat historic displays. With the Alton singer who kind of puts the, the whole thing into context and sets the mood... Do many of your passengers actually come by train? Do most people come by car? Most people come by car, but passengers that arrive at Alton, a reasonable percentage do come by train. Um, And our our lovely Becky Short there um, provides a lovely wartime atmosphere and sings when trains come in, because most of the trains have a 10 or 15 minute stopover at Alton, our trains, um, so they've got a bit of entertainment whilst they're sat there. I did visit every single station during the weekend and I did notice how busy and cramped Alton was. What is the most complex part of organising the weekend? If you're familiar with herding cats, organising reenactors is very similar. Um, lots of them will forget that there's a deadline for telling me when they're coming. We'll turn up with something like a vintage bus that I didn't know was coming. Um, they, they are lovely people and they're very friendly and they like our event because we're relaxed. We're not too officious, they don't have to fill in too many forms. But the, the hardest part is being certain who is coming probably a month before because that's what our marketing department want to know when our reenactors tend to let us know three or four days before that they're coming. As they're amateur in in as much as they're not paid, you can't really put pressure on them and say this is the deadline or anything like that. No, I do set a deadline, but it doesn't seem to make an awful lot of difference. No, you can't, and it's it's difficult for some people to... Some of our visitors sometimes comment that, oh, you said such and such would be here and they're not. And it is really a case of, no, they chose to do something else or they are just, in effect, volunteers. So if Granny's not well, they don't come. But you may get something like we had this time. Did you happen to hear the ukulele band on one of the trains? They just turned up. So you have your regular reenactors who come year after year and then you also encourage people to dress up for the day. Yes, that's... I suppose 50% of the reason we run the event in this way is that I need a core of reenactors who in effect will set the scene, will give the atmosphere to the place when our paying customers turn up. We like people to come in costume. It improves the atmosphere. Yes, more atmosphere. Though. I would imagine also that, that it encourages the non-regular reenactors to, to look in the wardrobe, put something together, hire something or whatever. We very often get the comment, I came last year and I thought I'd get something for this year. 
very often you see people who may this year have just bought online if you like almost the dressing up type costume next year they'll probably have gone to charity shops and researched a little more and will come in a much more authentic costume uh, so, so it's a progression yes you have regular families who come or people come year after year then yes yes definitely one, one family who had been bringing baby in a beautiful pram, um, they're one of my pre-booked reenactors, um, emailed to say they wouldn't have the pram this time because baby was too big. Did I know anyone who wanted the pram? Three or four weeks later, I had an email from another reenactor who said they were bringing their son and daughter and two little babies. So I put the two together and this year we had the two babies in the pram. So the train's now arrived in Medstead and Foremark Station. Just in front of me we've got a gentleman, I think they would have called him a spiv in those days, selling stockings from his suitcase. Whereas the lady he's with is wearing a welfare coat. I have a feeling that we have a mixed up family here. Uh, she's also trying to sell me stockings from her welfare coat. Dear me. What else have you got in there? Bag of tea. Oh, a bag of tea. Oh. But at one and ninepence, that's quite expensive. There is a war on, sir. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'd forgotten that. I'm now stood in the RAF plot room, watching and listening as they explain what they're doing, plotting the movement of aircraft across the skies. famous unidentified was a flight that went across the north of England and that was Rudolf Hess when he went across. We only the benefit of history tells us that it was him but at the time he was reported as unidentified. So we'll assume for a second that none of those things are occurring today and that we simply have a friend and foe. So we have two types of blocks on the table so the filter officer here has determined that this particular block is a hostile activity. So They've given it hostile 13. Couldn't make a change. So H13 means this is the 13th lot of enemy raiders we've seen today. And we've already been very busy. So underneath we've got 20 plus on the block. That means we haven't counted yet. If we're not checking where they are, we, we, you know, it, it's pointless. So this information is now quite old, so we take it off because we've lost the plot. Okay, so that's got the expression on lost the plot. So we only use the arrows against the hostile plots. We do not use them against the friendlies. Um, so this being a friendly plot, we've got six five squadron, we have six aircraft airborne, and they're currently flying at Angels 2-0, which is 20,000 feet. A squadron at this time is typically 12, not exclusively, but typically 12. And each squadron is split into two flights of six, and each flight then split into two sections of three. If this information is relevant... I'm now outside Medstead Station, where quite a few people have gathered for this morning's service. The guides and brownies are just arriving. Sergeant Major is now arranging 
for the guides to take their standards. They're approaching the vicar. Do you remember those who have lived and died in the service of others? We pray for all who suffer through war and are in need. We ask for his help and blessing that we may do his will. Praise him for his grace and favor to our fathers in distress. Praise him still the same as ever, slow to chide and strip to bless. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. I know it's hard to stand there with a flag and we keep our eye on them at all times. You know how it's hard to sit and stand still and sit still and imagine what these are like. But before we go, we're going to give them big three cheers because they deserve it. They've got off their butts in the morning and come down here to remember the people that's lost their lives. You've come down to enjoy yourself. These have come down to do this. So three big cheers for them and three big cheers for Her Majesty's forces. Hip hip! So I'm stood in the waiting room on the down platform where we have a shop and a Prime Minister, I believe. Uh, yes, uh, well, I think I used to be Prime Minister. They, they, they have other people doing it now, but uh, I, 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 I certainly was. I was Prime Minister in 1940 uh, at, at probably quite an important time in, in this country's history. How realistic are you finding this weekend? Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, we've got lots and lots of reenactors here, and what what a better place than a steam railway uh, in in order to have a, a wartime event? And uh, of course, we've got this wonderful store as well. You're the storekeeper here. Why have you moved into the waiting room on the down platform? Well, this is our temporary premises because our old premises got bombed out by the Luftwaffe. Oh, that sounds very unpleasant, but you seem to have very good stock levels in here. Yes, it was mainly the upper part of the building that got destroyed, so we just moved all the stock in here because it's much more drier in here. We've got a whole roof and everything. What are your best-selling items? Oh, best-selling items are usually the eggs. They go well when I get them in. And uh, the Frey Bentos corned beef, that goes quite well. The ladies like that. Um, we've got all sorts. We've got a good range selection for the ladies for their sewing. What else do the ladies like? It's always the ladies, oh, they like my marmalade. They come in for the Hartley's marmalade. So, well, stock to look after people all the time. Well, thank you both very much. It, it's a great pleasure, and let's make, uh, make it our finest hour. And our victorious time. I'm here with Colin Fuller. Now, today is War on the Line. This, I believe, has been running for a number of years. 
and you've been involved with it for a number of years. Yeah, that's true. Um, more so in the past. Uh, I think one of the problems was I was running it from my head rather than from a computer database. And the railway could see that if anything happened to me, all the knowledge would have gone. So quite rightly, they appointed other people to take it, take it over. And I worked with them. And if they want anything, they ask me and I try and do whatever it is they want me to do. How long has War on the Line been running? I wish you hadn't asked that because I can't remember. Um, I think it missed one year, but it, it, it started almost as soon as we got on the line, as far as I remember. I'd have to look it up in the old magazines, but it was certainly we were one of the first to get involved with doing this sort of thing. Ditto for the uh, Santa specials. Now, a lot of uh, railways and similar sites, heritage sites, do some sort of uh, Christmassy thing. And some have uh, tried to do 40s events and they succeeded beyond belief. And some um, didn't work and they've given up doing them. A lot depends if you've got a hard bank, hard core of uh, reenactors prepared to support you. I thank the passengers, reenactors, volunteers and staff of the Watercrest Line for their help in making this podcast. This podcast is published by the Mr T Podcast Studio. Thank you.